We are creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Hey guys, it's Darian Douglas. Welcome to the second season of The Working Artist Project. In fact, if you're back after the first season, welcome home. And if you're not, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast. I sit down with some of the most influential and talented artists from multiple fields, and we discuss the challenges of constructing a successful career as an artist. You will be inspired and motivated after listening to these amazing people conquer challenges and live life on their terms. Welcome to the Working Artist Project. <laughs> so I want to welcome Kathleen Potton to the Working Artist Project. So I want to start by you just telling me your story how you got from uh, Australia to New York City and why. Okay. Why are you here? So I'm from a very small town in rural Australia. Okay. It's technically the country music capital of Australia. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of country music going on. Um, But there's also some other amazing music and things going on there. Um, So yeah, I grew up there, went to university in Sydney, Australia, and was always doing music. Um, wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do with music, but was just gravitating to anything, you know, musical, like whether it was opera or whether it was jazz or anything, you know, there's kind of so much stuff going on, but, um, not in the same capacity as it is here in the States, you know? Yeah. And so I was studying music and then I got an opportunity to study music in Singapore. I got a scholarship. So I was like, cool, let's go to Singapore of all places. Um, and then, of course, that was uh, an opportunity to meet other people from all around the world, um, a lot of Americans there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was because of that I was like, mm, maybe New York is an option as well. Because prior to that, it was like New York is like Sesame Street. It doesn't exist. It's right. not a real thing to go to, you know. Like, right. There's no way I could possibly move to New York. So I think making that next step across the globe to Singapore, I was like, okay, let's think about New York. So... And, um, yeah, and then uh, after a few years in Singapore, it just got a bit too much and ended up somehow in New York. Well, you got too much from, like, from what standpoint? Um, so Singapore is an amazing place, but it's also kind of a little bit unreal. It's kind of a bit Disneyland-ish. Like, um, I feel like it's a country that's trying so hard to be Western that they're kind of missing some real... Um, depth and uh quality in in who they are musically and just in the you know with a lot of things that are going on in the culture there um like met some amazing people they're great like beautiful people but I felt like I needed something more that was had a little bit more substance and um I had an opportunity to come to New York for a friend's 30th um a few years ago and as soon as I got here I was just like oh my goodness this is like this is real so, life, you know, like it's right, right. everything that I wanted. So, yeah. Oh, that's dope. Mm. So you're from the country music capital. Yes. Yeah. The other one. The Which other one. Which one is the real one? Uh, <laughs> am I allowed to? You think Tamworth? <laughs> Full rank? Is... I'm like, Tamworth is amazing. Really? Yeah. No, I watched the <laughs> no, Dolly not... Parton concert that was in Tamworth. I, I had to make sure. It was in you... Tamworth? Yeah, because I had to make sure you weren't just like bullshitting me. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> let me see. 
<laughs> if Dolly Parton ain't, she ain't been there, then it ain't real. But it, it's real. She's been there. Well, yeah, I didn't say that, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, like, do you know what's the history behind that? Do you know how that worked out, or no? It just people love country music there. I don't know what happened. I remember from when I was a kid, like I'd see, um, like back in the day, like when it was just like literally two blocks of the main street being closed off, and then have buskers every like two, you know, two stores with like three strings on their guitar singing oh, Slim yeah. Dusty. He's oh. kind of like our country music person okay. in, in Australia. Yeah. Um, and then it's just grown into becoming this massive thing. So like Keith Urban's out there. They have like country music awards, all that kind of thing. It's yeah. like a whole big, you know, Now I got to check out some like Australian country music. <laughs> Everybody needs to check it out. I'm not really sure what it even sounds like. I mean, I'm sure it's like country music, but it's like got a different vibe because mm. the culture is different, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, like, is the same with all music, I think, in Australia. Like, it ends up copying America anyway. Oh, okay. So, okay. But we definitely have, like, some uh, country music stars. There's a guy called Slim Dusty, okay. who's kind of, like, the, the guy. He's but the guy. Yeah. Can't say he influenced me musically, but, you know, he's definitely right. up there in country music world. So, are your parents musicians or singers? <clears throat> or, or how, did, how did you just... You're the only one? Yeah. He, oh. I mean, they're very... Um, they listen to a lot of music. Like, there's heaps of music going on in my house. They're yeah. very, very different, though. Like, mum's okay. classical background. She loves opera. She took me to operas when I was a kid, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and also into, like, early swing music. So, like, um, oh. Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, and then my dad, who's English, so he grew up with the Beatles and Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. So he introduced me to that kind of music. Um, so, okay. yeah, um, that was kind of all the stuff that was going on. Oh, that's dope. Mm. So you moved to Singapore to go to college. Yeah. Like, so I want to get into that. <laughs> like, what is it actually like to live in Singapore? Because, first of all, I, you're the only person I've ever met that actually lived there. Really? Most people just go there for vacation and, like, get crazy. Right. Okay. You know, so... I, I'm assuming it's like I used to live in New Orleans, so I'm assuming it's like that. Yeah, it's crazy you know, where hot. It's always well, it's hot and it's always a party. Um, no, it's not no? always a party because <laughs> it's very strict there. It's like super strict. You know? Oh, word. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got like it's always the place that's known for like having clean streets. You're not mm. allowed to chew gum. Oh yeah, all that okay. kind of stuff. Um, the food is ridiculously good though, like super good. Um, and you're so close to everywhere in Asia, you can just like right. pop over to you know Kuala Lumpur or go to Vietnam, Indonesia. It's amazing. Um, so did yeah. like did that culture seep into your music at all and your cooking abilities? It seeped into my cooking ability. I don't know <laughs> musically because there's so many Americans living in Singapore as well. Like one of my like I could say he's kind of like a mentor, but he's somebody who I respect a lot. Um, he was actually out here in New York recently. He was playing with Eric Wyatt. Um, he's a bass player. And he's kind of the sort of the godfather of jazz in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he would like pull people aside and just give them like a little bit of advice. It was that kind of, I think, mentorship that doesn't really happen normally outside of America. So it was kind of cool to have that there. So... I think musically that was the influence, like having somebody like him and then a bunch of other American artists that were there as well. So, mm. yeah, I think that's kind of the main thing I got that's from cool. it. All right. Yeah. Cool. And so you get to New York and are you like, oh, shit, like, what am I, what am I, <laughs> like, how do you chart a path when you get here? Well, first of all, you had to get a visa, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. So what was that process difficult for you? I know a lot of people have. Yeah. So you have to pay lawyers. I don't really know, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was kind of lucky in that I'm Australian. So there's mm. this kind of visa that's set up between America and Australia. Okay. That means if you get offered a job, then you get this. I think it's called the E3 visa. Okay. And it's a two-year visa. It's just for Australians. I think it works the same for Americans going to Australia. It came out of the Iraq War. George Bush, John Howard, who's our prime minister at the time. Ah, okay. They figured that the out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's the visa that I'm on. So it wasn't that hard, really. So, so you, you had to get a day a day job in order to acquire this visa? Kind of. I um, actually came here with my ex-husband at the time he oh, had the day job life is real yeah so he <laughs> he had the real job and okay. i came with him so okay um yeah and so i was lucky in that i got to be the spouse of a a3 visa holder so. right and mm-hmm. you're still on that now from that so yeah you, you didn't have to go through like this whole like some people have to do an artist visa mm-hmm. which is almost it's different oh that's like a whole other thing that's okay. something that's yeah that's i looked into doing that but it was just kind of like this is not there's too much work for something that's not really necessary for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So can you get like, are you able to get citizenship or after a while or, or do you even want that? Or you, you plan to go back to Australia? What, what's I that? don't know. I, I, um, <laughs> I would, I'm, yeah, I'm actually kind of really not sure. I'm sort of playing it year by year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look into getting a citizenship, but I'm not sure how easy that is to do. So it's, you know, that's why it's kind of like, okay, every two years you renew your visa and I'll think about the big plan when that yeah. happens again. So I've got like right. another year, I think, before I'm okay, due for Okay, so you're just chilling on it. Yeah, you know, take yeah. each day as it comes. Right. You know. That's cool. So is New York what you thought it would be, like in your imagination? Like, I know for me, like, I'm from Mississippi, so, mm-hmm. you know, like coming to, to New York. Well, first of all, only I came to New York once before I moved here mm-hmm. for like a few days. And I was just like, I thought I was going to live in the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just wasn't really aware of what living here was actually like. You mm. know, what, what was it like for you? It was, a, yeah, it was a shock. Because the first time we came, it was for a friend's 30th. We were like living at large. I'd saved some money. It was kind of... We had this loft in Soho where I had like a baby grand. There was like 20 of us staying in this loft. A bunch oh, of musicians dear. were there. It's like a jam night every night. I was like, cool, this is New York. Fantastic. Soho. <laughs> and then moving here, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm broke. And I have to get like, go back to waitressing tables kind of stuff. You know, like whereas in Singapore, it was like gigging regularly with good money, you know, that kind of thing. So it was kind of like an identity crisis, I think, when I first got here. Um, but... I'm actually been surprised at how how much of a family vibe I've received mm-hmm. in New York. Like I thought it was going to be really harsh and people are going to be like, you know, pushing each other aside and competitive. And that certainly does exist to a certain extent. But I think the thing that I feel the most is having a community around me of musicians who are supportive and loving and, you know, they've got each other's back. Right, and right. That's the thing I was really surprised at, actually. Yeah. Because I think... New York seems like this, you know, big, bad place that's going to be tough. And um, and it hasn't really been that for me. So how do you manage to, like, uh, to get into your zone? You mentioned you, you had to wait tables. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, so you had to humble yourself. Like, okay, wait, mm. I have this goal. And then you had to, I'm assuming you had to find your niche. Yeah. So how did you manage to do that? It took a little while. Um, I actually took a step back from music. I probably took like a year off from just 
oh, wow. gigging and everything because okay. I I felt like moving to New York was was quite hard. Like out of mm-hmm. all the countries I've moved to, this was definitely the toughest one. Um, New York, not the U.S., but just just New York. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't lived in other cities right. in America, um, but. Yeah, I think I mean I went and did my masters at Queens College, and I think that sort of got the ball rolling again. Um, and I think because it's quite an open program in the masters there, it's not like I think Manhattan School and other places that mm-hmm. got much more strict curriculum. Whereas uh, I think for Queens College, it was a lot more open, and okay. so you had to you know figure out a lot of things for yourself. And I right. and I got a lot more into like writing my own material. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the thing that kind of made me feel a lot more connected to what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know? So, man, it's kind of weird because you studied classical music initially, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you just switched. When you came to New York, you were like, I'm going to study jazz. Was it just like a thing where I need to do something or you, you wanted to study that for more? Why did you choose? Well, I was doing, I was doing jazz actually in Singapore. Oh, I was, okay. It was a jazz program. Um but my initial training was classical and I think again it's that thing of growing up in Tamworth it's like you know you want to be connected to something um creative and musical but you don't necessarily have the um the paths open to you it's like you don't see the direction in front of you so you're just kind of grabbing at everything so you know classical there was a conservatorium in Tamworth so I did classical there and then I get to Sydney and I hear you know jazz music that's amazing I'm like oh jazz I want to do that right, right. Um, and then I get an opportunity to go to Singapore and study jazz I'm like cool I'll do that and then I think it was just because I hadn't seen how you could be a musician like live out doing that um, in where I'd grown up from that it took so long for me to kind of go oh this is what I want to do you know yeah, yeah. so how has how has uh, the classical training benefited you because now you're doing like singer songwriter Mm. more like I don't know what you call what do you call your music yeah I guess it's singer songwriter yeah yeah it's like infused with all of these different uh, influences right Mm -hmm. so how did it help the classical training help you versus uh, the jazz um I mean the technique stuff obviously like straight Mm up um but you know and it's a different kind of way of hearing music it's I don't know, the way I approach, if I'm in a rut when I'm writing a song, like you can analyse it the same way you would classical music. I suppose you do that for jazz as well. You can see what the function is, like happening harmonically or that kind of thing. So if I'm like in a rut writing a song, I'll be like, okay, well, this thing won't make sense because it's not going to resolve to this chord and blah, 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 you know. Right, right, right. So you can draw on that kind of thing. Um, but I think just having your ears open to all kind of music is a really great thing and classical music is you know it's beautiful mm-hmm. so yeah i like classical music you know what I'm yeah. stravinsky yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's all good he's my man really yeah okay what you're currently doing is it what you've always wanted to do or are you did you get pushed in a different direction when you made it to new york city um i knew i always like i'm working on this album like it's it's done i'm just trying to get it out now that was kind of always my dream, but it's... Um, to, to make an album. Yeah, of okay. like original music. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, again, it's that thing of like, how do you do that? I have no idea how that works. So, um, yeah, it definitely feels like this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. I'm just kind of pinching myself that it's actually happened, you know, because mm-hmm. it did feel like 
something I had no idea how to put together. So Right. And so yeah. how did you go about finding out? You just started doing it or you, what did you do? Um, well, I had a, a bunch of original tunes. Um, they were mostly arranged and, you know, lyrics, all that kind of stuff. And I was okay. playing them out. Um, and I was, I guess I kind of knew I needed a producer or somebody who could kind of help sort of uh, bring it all together. And um, I had the opportunity to meet Alan Hampton through the place that I teach music at. And um, and we started emailing each other and I was just like, you know, any chance you produce, you know, like I love your music, I love the way that you approach songs and songwriting is something that I really, really um, admire. And he's like, yeah, I'm on board. So, And I think just because of that, you know, we started doing some writing together and... Um, and that kind of all fell into place. So I kind of have to put it down to Alan being amazing with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he like organized everything, and yeah, and now I've got a record coming out. Now, so. you're, record. now you're famous. <laughs> it's done. You're famous. Yeah, yeah, it's totally famous. <laughs> cool. So wait, the name of the record is it's Nero. Nero. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, it's kind of uh like a process name kind of thing. Like it wasn't something I just was like, this is what it's going to mean. Um, I was really into listening to um, a songwriter called uh, Laura Nero or Nairo. I think it's how you say it. And um, Billy Childs just did a tribute album for all of her stuff. And um, like amazing songs. They're so beautiful. But she kind of went under the radar because she's the same generation as Joni Mitchell. And she died quite young. So people don't know her quite as well. Um, but I was checking out her music, and I, I'm a massive Joni Mitchell fan. She's like, oh, she's amazing, my hero. Yeah. Um, so I was checking out her stuff, and then it was kind of at the time where I was just, you know, feeling like, you know, we need to have like powerful, strong women in music who, like, you know, they're writing amazing songs. They're, you know, just owning it for themselves. And um, it was kind of that sort of thing. And so I was like, it was meant to be like a respectful thing to her. Um, but then I just ended up changing it to, to Nero because it's got that cold, you know, right, connotation right. of, you know, power and all that kind of stuff. What makes you feel most accomplished? I think when I try to do things, when I do things that I know previously, like a year ago would have freaked me out, you know, like there's, you know, like at the start of every year, I try to give myself a list of things that I want to achieve mm-hmm. and, I remember like looking back to, you know, some of the lists from like even, even two, three years ago and, you know, they seemed minuscule compared to what, what's happening now. You know, it's, I think when you try to break through what you're scared of, that's what I feel like I'm accomplishing something. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be musical either. It's, you know, a lot of things are, you know, personal things as well. So yeah, when you like, yeah. Face your fears, head on, all that nonsense, you know? Yeah, you do. Mm. Yeah. I was talking to someone, you have to jump off the cliff. Yes. You, know? you have to just go yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that initial thing where you're just like, you're not sure you're going to do it. But once you're in the middle of it, it's just like, it's not that you go on autopilot, but you just mm-hmm. kind of, you start to look at yourself. You're like, man, I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. So. Can't believe it. I, yeah, feel, yeah. I think that I was like, I'm in New York. Oh, shit. Like, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like the decision to actually get on the plane, like buy a ticket, all that kind of stuff, you exactly. know? So, yeah, mm. that's deep. Like, what, you know, what's one misconception that people have about vocalists, like normal people and also musicians? I think they don't get respected as musicians, like on an equal playing field. Right. Um, 
and I think more so if you're a chick as well. Like it's a whole other thing. But I know that there's definitely a, the sense of like, oh, you're going to be the you know the singer in the band, and if you don't know just some basic kind of stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. how to read a chart or like how to, um, you know, if you come up there and you don't know your keys for stuff, like basic things like that. Um, I think that's the assumption. But there's so many amazing vocalists around who are just you know breaking that misconception. Um, but it's it's completely unwarranted to have that anymore. And I actually think it's probably the younger... Like, I had a friend that was at a, a jam session the other night at Zinc. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's a complete badass. Like, she's incredible. Um, and she's Australian. But um, oh, cool. she was in... She lives in Boston, but she came down for this... Um, for a weekend of doing gigs and stuff like that. And she sat in. She totally got vibed out at this session. Like, she was going to be treated like, you know, the dumb singer kind of thing. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but she killed it. Like, she totally knew everything that she was doing, like... Um, and it was the younger guys that were vibing around, not the older people. So maybe it's like a, a learning thing, mm-hmm. you know. It's, I think sometimes it's like an insecurity thing. Like these, you know, they're insecure about it. So they like put project their, it. Yeah, project it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. True. So like you're saying like as a, a female period or just a female singer that you're facing some, some, you know. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know what it's like to just be an instrumentalist in music world but i still think there's a lot of sexism especially in jazz yeah um yeah i think i mean have you experienced that personally um i wouldn't say personally because i don't feel i don't feel like i'm in jazz world enough to kind of be able to really um you know take it to heart kind of Mm -hmm. thing but i know i see other people and see that happening to them what about in your world in the singer i feel like in um pop singer-songwriter world like if you're and I think it's different if you're you're a band leader if you're doing your own thing it's slightly different but I don't think it's the same level as as what it is in jazz land you know it's oh, wow. it's like a bit it's a I mean it's a tradition that's mostly had dudes in it except for when there's been the chick singer kind right. of thing um who's just there to kind of look pretty and like get people to come like that's the yeah the history of it anyway um I mean now it's 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 changing a little bit, but I still think there's like that inherent kind of uh, broness going on. I think broness. I damn. shouldn't say it. it sounds wrong. <laughs> I'm using it the wrong way. But no, yeah, I mean, yeah. no, I mean, hey, it is what it is. You know? Yeah. I mean, listen, I agree with you. Okay. For sure, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know? I just wanted to get your perspective on things, especially from a, a, a woman on the outside of things. Mm. You know what I mean, but you have a lot of friends that are jazz musicians. Yeah. You know, I mean, your roommate for sure, like Emily. I'm sure she's told you, like, you oh, know, she's yeah, she's know, whatever, whatever. She gets a lot of yeah, but she's also really great. At, like, she's one person who I know cuts down all of those kind of barriers because you know she can sing her ass off. Right. She doesn't put up with any nonsense, <laughs> and you know, like you know, she can yeah take anybody on. I really think yeah, she's, she's strong. Pretty, yeah, yeah, she's, strong. she's an amazing woman. She, yeah, she, she's great, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what have you learned about yourself? And you've been here for six years, right? Mm-hmm in this past six years in New York City that you don't think you would have learned otherwise? I didn't realise that I could be as strong and independent as I thought I was. I always... You don't see a lot of independent women from the town that I'm from. Everyone's kind of hooked up, and if you're not... What do you mean? Like, they're all in marriages with kids and all that kind of thing, and that's the idea of success, is that you've got a family, and, you know, if you can have a job at the same time that's you know that's the ideal kind of thing 
Um, and I guess at the back of my mind, that was my idea of success, but it wasn't really what I wanted. And so I think the fact that I can be here and be independent and content, like that's the thing that I'm getting the most out of, you know. That's deep. So you had to really like step outside of uh, your cultural norm. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. And you don't think you would have done that if you weren't, if you didn't make the move from. Well, it's also coming from like, again, from a small town. So that's right. slightly different. I guess if I was spending more time in Sydney in the cities in Australia, it would feel different. Mm-hmm. But I think in New York, like independence is um, something to be appreciated, you know. Right. Like as long as you've still got a connection with other people and you have that here with the community, with the you know, musicians here. I think being independent is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 10 years from now, where are you? <laughs> I hope I'm still in New York, actually. Really? Yeah, I think so. So get that green card. <laughs> All right. Get citizenship. All right. Where's that lottery? Come on. I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the biggest mistake you've made? Oh, and my like, word. What have you learned from it? <laughs> like not being indecisive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you like delaying the important decisions you know, like waiting a few years to like end a marriage, for example. Right, right. Um, you could tell it was on the cards, but you're like, oh, this is going to be really difficult. And I think once you make those big decisions, you know, things change. But I definitely wish I'd done it sooner, all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, like procrastination is like the thing and actually the Nero the song the the single from my record that's kind of all about procrastination you know it's oh, like okay. I feel like it's the thing that for a long time ruled my life you know right right yeah. you know I think one thing that a lot of artists uh, struggle with is failure mm-hmm. you know what I mean? so what are your thoughts on failure and how do you overcome it and not let it like cripple you and like, like in your room you know mm-hmm. depressed and crying I'm just telling you what I do oh really <laughs> terrible um no i think it's good to have well i mean you learn the most right when you things go wrong right but that applies to everything it's not just music so i don't think music should be any different you know you've got got to get back up on the horse but i think it's more about just being scared to really face something that you're scared of and um so when you fail at something it's you know that's going to determine how you live your life so whether it fits music you know like if something doesn't go the way you thought it would be you you have to find a way of dealing with that and Mm. I would I think it's good to have setbacks so I'm glad I've definitely like I've not that I've had setbacks but I'm definitely late to the game I think and I think it's been a good thing because I've had to learn a lot of stuff right for sure I don't actually cry when I fail (laughs) I embrace failure yeah 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 because you're right, it, <laughs> it's like a, yeah, exactly. it's a it's a learning situation, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, cool, well, I know that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Cool, not a problem. And, like, let's try this, you know? Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're going to get to something that works, you know? Yeah. Well, you get to work. know yourself better. And right. the more you know yourself, the more you're going to just be comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Just doing you is the best thing. Yeah, that's yeah. like a whole process. The closer you get to... Yep. Know, Exactly. Do, do you feel like you're more focused now or less focused since moving to New York? Or has that, like, does that, like, change or is it consistent for you? 
Um, definitely feel more focused. Um, and actually, I think that's the thing about New York. It does make you... It, you can't put up with nonsense in New York. Like, you have to know who you are, what you want to do, because otherwise, why are you putting up with, you know, all of the, the struggle that happens in New York? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because you have to kind of get rid of all the things that um, most people have to kind of block what they're really trying to do, it means you can actually have a, a path and your focus. So I think that's what I really like about New York. I definitely feel focused. I know what I want. I know who I am. And perhaps that is to do with age, but I really think it's from being in the city and, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the city has a way of streamlining you. Yeah. Because you're just like, all right, cool, I can't. Like, I only have 24 hours, dude. Like, I can't yeah, fuck, exactly. fuck around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you most thankful for? I've got tons of stuff I'm thankful for. I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. Like, really. Um, like, my family, because they're so supportive and amazing. Um... I think my friends. I just had my birthday this last week. Oh, happy birthday. And it was one of those days. Thank you. But I remember just like at the end of the night just being like, I'm so lucky. Like I'm blessed with so many people who are supportive and caring about me. I'm miles away from home. And I've got all of these people surrounding me who, you know, they care about me. I care about them. I just feel like I'm very blessed naturally kind of thing. Yeah. What is it? I want to thank Kathleen Potman okay. <laughs> for coming on the Working Artist Project. Okay. I had fun. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Yeah.